Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Monday, everybody. (laughs) The week is starting again. For some people, it never ended. It's just that ongoing hamster wheel. It's funny when I see some of these new COVID-based jokes and cliches actually getting played out in real time. I've talked to a couple different friends over the week, but also some of the patients I'm working with during telemedicine. And it's really funny when they'll, you know, reference the day being a day that it's not. (laughs) I have to correct them. I had a little bit of that over the weekend where there were a few moments where I was kind of like, what is going on, you know? Um, But I hope you're all managing it well giving yourselves a little grace, as we say, understanding that this is a very difficult time. And I think it's very geographic, right? It's also very context contextualized based on, you know, who you're with and who you're not with and who you maybe want to be with. I know here in California, it's it's been a little difficult. The numbers in terms of COVID infections has been astronomically on the rise. I think we now have among the highest cases, if not the highest cases, Sad, uh, sad wind to take away from places like Florida and New York. Not that I wish anyone to have such a detrimental impact in terms of COVID, but California, you know, (laughs) we were hanging in there in the top five, top three, we might be number one. So it's a little disheartening when I see people not taking it seriously, but I also do appreciate that. Hopefully it's, it's a matter of we're all doing the best we can and we don't all have the same resources or the same internal capacities. And so we can't necessarily have the same expectations on everyone while at the same time, essentially having the same expectations, wanting everyone to really follow the rules and social distance and self-isolate. So it's disheartening and sad when I hear the stories of people, you know, going into places like Verizon and peeing on the floor when they're asked to wear a mask and <laughs> God bless it. You know, it's a, it's such a, a, a sign of maturity and also just collective consciousness around how, how much we care about how we impact others. But like I said, it, it's also about who you're with and who you're not with. Some people are completely on their own and they're needing to push on some of the boundaries in order to try to get some of their social needs met, which is real. Others are kind of, you know, hunkering down with people and that's either beneficial and very nourishing and grounding or it's quite the opposite. You know, it's a lot of triggers and a lot of conflict. So you know, just sending out a lot of care and love to everyone. Um, I'm not sure how much longer we're in this, but I know that I miss seeing my patients face-to-face in my office. I'm definitely missing my friends and family members. And um, yeah, it's funky time. So hope you're all, again, giving yourselves a little grace and focusing on self-care. I was, you know, doing a few sessions this week and and that's kind of what was coming up a lot is people struggling to figure out what that would mean for them right now or... (sighs) 
really digging in deeper. Um, again, we're doing the best we can with what we have. We don't necessarily have a cure for everything. We don't necessarily have a way to better manage everything that's put before us. So I hope we're all doing the best you can. And, um, you know, checking out all the resources that are available. Look, I, I was saying this on my other show, my live stream show, I'm listening live, which is Thursday nights. And I was just kind of talking about the distinction between self-care and coping mechanisms that was that aired last Thursday, this past Thursday on Loveline. And, you know, we're just looking at all the different ways we can take care of ourselves, right? And I was kind of musing and, and talking about how we can, we can really focus overly in an imbalanced way on certain elements to the detriment of others. And now is a time to really focus on the mental, emotional, psychological exercising, right? Exercising that muscle, uh, however you want to, whatever metaphor works for you, really working our brain or really focusing on self-care or more on psychology. And I was saying, take some time off from a home workout or take some time aside to really journal, to do therapy sessions with yourself and really kind of assess like what's working in my life, what's not reading books that are very inspiring and self-help. And you know, what's interesting is that self-help can come in the form of fiction. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that's framed in terms of self-help. There's a lot that we can learn from certain movies or television shows or books. I'm reading a lot of really transformative and inspiring things that are reminding me what's important to me or what I want to be important to me. And that's what I'm using this time for. And in the beginning, I think I was just trying to survive. And in the beginning, I was trying to keep myself happy and content. And now it's shifted. And my goal is I just want to do a little more transformation. I want to go deeper. I want to really figure out what, what I want my mission statement to be. And is my life aligned with that? And, and if not, how can I readjust some things? Also looking at what, what things in my life might I need to release and let go of in order to do that, right? We're going deeper the longer that we're, we're in all of this. And it's really bringing to the surface more so than was able to maybe happen in the beginning of all of this. What's coming up to the surface is, is core needs, right? How do I feel about those around me? How do I feel about the direction of my life? And I think that's what the beautiful piece that can come out of moments like this is when things become a little life or death, it really cuts right through, right? And it really lets what floats to the surface is what's most meaningful. And I'm valuing that. You know, I, I'm not afraid of that. I'm, I'm kind of like leaning into that and letting the lessons be there. So um, kind of going deep. I don't know. So I'm hoping you all can take some, some time to do that unless you're just filled with lots of distractions, which is fine as well, or buried in, you know, leisure and joy in other forms, you know, be where you are. But we got a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking about resilience, but an alternative perspective, why I think the concept can be a little problematic and victim blaming. And then we're also going to be talking about alcohol, you know, something we're talking more and more about, right? Bringing in the addiction lens, but also just talking about that in terms of coping mechanism. And uh, yeah, we got a great show planned. Question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG page on the story. So weigh in on that bad boy. And then some DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. And um Question of the night up on our Loveline IG page in the story. So weigh in on that. And uh, DMs, if you got one, send them to me. Go on our Loveline page, slide on in there, drop your questions. Always here to answer whatever you're thinking about. Uh, yeah, they're good questions. I, I, we're really getting the heart of some stuff. So I appreciate everyone's vulnerability and honesty and what they're asking. You know, good stuff. So I wanted to talk about resilience. I, I'm seeing a lot of it, <clears throat> excuse me, being brought up. And I think that's because, you know, we're looking at, well, gosh, we're looking at everything, right? Why are people that are doing well doing well? Impact that isolation and hypochondriasis, people, you know, uh, overly afraid of illness and miss 
misdiagnosing or misunderstanding and assessing symptoms, right? We jokingly say, hey, now every time you cough, you're like, oh my gosh, do I have COVID? So there's a lot tied into it. But what's, you know, we see, we talk a lot about resilience, right? And my my reasoning as to why I want to kind of unpack it a little bit more is as I feel like it's it can be misused or misunderstood. I, I'm absolutely all about us looking at those that tend to thrive in our culture, those that tend to have more resources than others, those that have more capacities to tolerate struggle and discomfort and trauma more than others. I think a lot can be learned from that. And there are some people that deal far better. But what's on the dark side, or as we say, the shadow side of that is this whole idea that that should be the goal is resilience. But what I really think the work is, is figuring out what's going on that is creating the struggles and issues that require people to have resilience. Let's, let's stop blaming the victims of all the issues in our culture and instead zero more in on what we need to do so that people don't have to focus on resilience or be resilient. What if we started creating social conditions that were positive and supportive and again, didn't harm anyone and require us to figure out how to make people more resilient. Because that's what the studies on resilience are. How can we make people more resilient? Well, let's make them not requiring of resilience. Let's make some cultural changes. And that's one of the things that's coming out of the Black Lives Matter movement. And what I wanted to also come out of this period of COVID-19 is us looking at our impact on others. Because resilience is usually needed by people that are victims of social inequality, uh, familial and cultural trauma, institutional violence. So it's people that are dealing with um, exploitation or marginalization due to socioeconomics and race and body size, body size and sexual orientation. And so resilience as a concept, right, can sometimes feel like a mandate for someone to focus more on how can we move on and get over things? And it's like, well, first let's look at what it is we're trying to get everyone to be better than or move on from, right? And it sometimes can shame what is really mental health? And mental health is really being authentic and honest in what's going on for you. You know, the whole purpose of my live stream show, the I'm Listening Live, is to get people to destigmatize mental health. And we do that by talking about our mental health, right? I want people to feel comfortable discussing their depression and their anxiety. But resilience can sometimes be misread as this idea that the goal should really be to be better than that or to be stronger than that and not to have a weakness or not to live from it or not to show it. But that's not mental health and that's not honest, right? And I want people to feel their grief, their loss, their trauma. Even in the field of grief and loss, we we focus people we focus the work on getting people over things, and it's like, well, instead we need to work with them on learning how to be a companion to their own journey, right? And so resilience can sometimes, as a topic or concept, shut down vulnerability or full emotional expression, and that is not mental health, right? So it can be used almost the way we talk about toxic positivity, to look on the bright side or to look at the strengths, right? And we can, another term for that is emotional bypassing, where instead of just going into the truth of what's going on, your struggle, your vulnerability, your sadness, we try to avoid that by looking at the silver lining or focusing on the positive. And it's like, but that's not always honest. That's not even real because not everything has a positive outcome or strength component tied to it, right? Not everyone recovers. And so resilience can sometimes be tied to like toxic recovery rhetoric, which is this idea that we do heal and move on from things, but we often don't. And when they say that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger, that's not often true. That which doesn't kill you sometimes makes you more traumatized and weaker. And we don't recover from loss often. 
Like I know when I lost my father, I'll never get over that. And I don't need to, and I'm not supposed to. That was a that was a life reorienting event that will always be with me. I will always remember that and have feelings tied to that. And my and I think of my mother. Her life is permanently made different in a lot of really bad, negative, dark ways. And that's true and that's honest, and it will remain. And she won't get over it. She'll learn to live with it. And that's what the work is. And resilience times implied that there's something wrong with us just learning to live with, but that we have to be better than or get beyond. And I just don't believe that that's true. And that can be very victim blaming. That's also tied to when I talk a lot about the problem with capitalism, this idea that our worth and value or mental health is tied to our ability to be functional and productive. And that's not what mental health is rooted in. Mental health is rooted in our quality of life. Mental health is rooted in us being authentic and honest and liberated in who we are, what we're feeling and what we're experiencing. I don't want people to harden or toughen or to, or to like glaze over things, sit in your weakness. That's, that's also intimacy is when we're able to show and bear our weaknesses or our, our, our vulnerability to another and them to us. That's when we feel like we've actually connected and gotten close to someone. And so instead I want us to not be resilient. I want us to be authentic. I want us to be soft. I want us to be in our grief and express it. I want us to be emotional, right? I want us to allow all changes and all feelings, be patient with who you are and where you are. Like it's allowing. And so I want us to reframe that. Don't be strong, be real. Don't be strong, focus on self-care. Don't be strong, be in truth, right? Be where you are. And so the, the expectation of resilience can sometimes itself be like a trauma. And that's why I love these buzzwords. Like it's okay to not be okay. Be where you are. We don't have to always rise above or be better than or find a silver lining. That's not real for how some people's lives will be. Some people do have chronically dark, heavy, depressing elements happen to them and in their lives. And we want to honor that, right? Not dismiss that. And so resilience has some worth and value for sure, but I think it can sometimes be a form of bypassing or toxic positivity, right? Looking for the silver lining or trying, trying to get us to be dehumanized and above and beyond wounding or emotion. But that's, that's actually where beauty lies, right? Um, we'll keep talking more about it though. Um, I think there's something really beautiful in that. Okay, coming up next, we're gonna talk about alcohol. Right? Talking more about that stuff. All right, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. Oh boy, I hope you're all weighing in on question of the night. It's up on our Love Line IG in the stories. Also dropping some DMs for us. We'll be getting to that later in the show. Bum bum bum. All right. So alcohol. It's we got a new relationship to it these days. We really do. Love watching those memes. But, um, you know, remember, mental health is about assessing the relationship we have to a lot of different things in our lives, right? And that's the word I use. I try not to use the word addiction. I think it's misunderstood, misused, and not always even applied correctly or even, or even the right term to describe things. So I always talk about someone's relationship to food, to alcohol, to whatever it is we're talking about, because that, that inherently points out that our relationship can change, that the way we maybe use drugs or alcohol at one point in our lives is not the way we might use it at a different time, and that it's all on a spectrum where some people have a more problematic or chaotic relationship where others less so. And so that's that's how I like to frame it. It also comes very much from a harm reduction model that um, not that not everyone needs sobriety or not everyone can get sobriety. 
not everyone needs to remove all drugs and alcohol from their lives. Some people maybe just alcohol, others just drugs, maybe for a period of time and circle back at another time. Maybe they need to just work on using it differently, right? Changing their relationship to it, having a better relationship or a safer relationship. So that's the question. What's your relationship right now to drugs and alcohol? And, and can you make it uh, have less of an impact on you? Can you make it less harmful? Do you need to change your relationship completely where maybe you remove one of them from your life for a length of time or just for right now? And that's what, that's what mental health is, right? Looking at our relationship to things. And right now, a lot of people are using alcohol and drugs, and that's a coping mechanism. Uh, not necessarily self-care, because again, self-care is something that has a positive impact on us, leaves us feeling better off, not bad or worse, doesn't create any conflict, where coping mechanisms often can be things that meet, leave us feeling not the greatest, but they worked in that moment, so they helped us cope for that day, that week, that month, or through that situation, but can have a negative impact afterwards. So what's your relationship right now to alcohol? Do you want to use that as something to dissociate and distract? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. How about your drug use? There is medicinal uses of drugs, whether it's for you know psychedelics, for some kind of alternative experience, transcendent experience, or mental health work. It can also be a, a mood changer, right? We talk about medicinal cannabis and other things. And um, not everyone's going to have a problem. And what we might have had a problem with in our youth due to trauma might be different now because we now know alcohol is not a disease. Uh, the disease model has been debunked. We don't use that anymore. We now look at it as very much an attachment issue or a trauma response. And that's why people in, in recovery really should be doing trauma work with a therapist and looking at what was it that led me there. Because to just remove drugs and alcohol is not inherently doing anything to some of the trauma that then gets perpetuated in other ways and can traumatize and traumatize your relationships, right? So we always want to look at what, do, what is the trauma what are the issues that maybe led us to use these substances problematically? Because other people use them in a little more of a sustainable, healthier way, right? So that's kind of the work. And there's a complexity to that, right? Because right now, our relationship to a substance might not be the relationship we'd have if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic without access to other coping mechanisms or self-care forms, without access to maybe our friends or some of our other distractions. And so the answer you might have right now might be a different answer that you have at a different time. But when in doubt, take a break. When in doubt, take space, right? Um, I think we should prioritize centering our mental health and our well-being. And, you know, again, we live in a culture that really makes alcohol part of everything. Every holiday has alcohol tied to it. Every celebration, it can feel exhausting. Like it's, an, it's everywhere in every song, in every movie, every time your friends socialize. And so getting away from drugs or alcohol can definitely shift your experience of everything. Holidays, birthdays, monumental moments, right? Also your socialization time, dating becomes different where people start to care if the people they're dating or might date, what they do with their weekends and on things like New Year's, if it is centered in a lot of drugs and alcohol, for them that's not necessarily compatible. Um, I don't drink anymore, and that's something that's really important to me, that I have people around me that can spend time with me without the use of alcohol, because I started to realize that if I needed alcohol to be with someone or to be somewhere, then that wasn't actually a place that was compatible with me, because the places I belong I would feel safe and I'd want to be around and available in a sober way. And if I needed to drink to have fun or to enjoy myself, then it wasn't something that was enjoyable because if it needs the addition of something like alcohol to make it better, then it wasn't good enough on its own. And I pass on things like that. I want to be around people in places where I can just be myself 
as I am, right? And not needing uh, whatever it is that alcohol can provide. That's not everyone's story, but it might be yours. And so use this time to maybe assess the relationship you have with drugs or alcohol and if there's changes that need to be made. It doesn't mean you have to call yourself sober or get off all of them. Maybe it's just changing your relationship or maybe just removing drugs or maybe just removing alcohol, right? It doesn't have to be this total thing that's a commitment forever. You get to decide what this new relationship is. Um, there's so many options. And there's a lot of programs out there, ones that aren't 12-step based, that don't require complete abstinence from everything. I know a lot of people that struggle with AA and the 12 steps because they still want to use marijuana because it hasn't been a problem. Or the issue is drugs and drinking wine sometimes has been very healthy and controllable. And we have to hold space for that, that everyone's definition of sobriety or healthy relationship to drugs or alcohol is going to be different because psychology is different, because people are different, because their needs are different, their trauma is different. And we want to allow for that. So you have to create your own definition, you know? Um, all right, coming up next, some DMs. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. Our DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Slide on in there. All right, here we go. What do you got? Hey, Dr. Chris, I have two kids, a six-year-old and a five-year-old girl. All right, well done. They are going crazy in coronavirus, and I'm losing my mind. My wife is an essential worker, but I've been let go, so I'm at home doing most of the work. Is it selfish of me to tell my wife I need a break? I feel selfish even thinking it, but I need to breathe. Um, before we answer your question, I just want to lovingly correct you that uh, to use the word going crazy or to say you're losing your mind when what you really mean is I'm having a difficult time or struggling, it's, it's called ableism where someone who is um, thriving or in mental health uses terminology that is used often against people and that people that struggle with mental differences are very victimized in our culture and we don't want to make light of that because you're not going crazy and you're not losing your mind and we want to actually use the correct terms you're frustrated you're overwhelmed but we want to we want to leave those terms to the people that are actually identifying as crazy and people that are actually struggling with things like psychosis we don't want to make light of it just like we want to not call things addictions that aren't it really diminishes uh people that are truly struggling with their relationship to something so we just want to be thoughtful in our terminology so let's not call things crazy or losing our minds when that's not that's not honest um, having said that, everyone's entitled to be where they are. What I mean by that is I never like the idea of you know, someone trying to minimize another person's struggle by saying, you know, well, people have it worse. Great. But I still am entitled to my feelings and, and being where I'm at. And so even though your wife might be out there as a frontline worker, you know, in higher levels of, as you see it, being stressful or threat, that doesn't mean that whatever you're going through while staying home taking care of the kids isn't meaningful or relevant or honest or real. It is. And you're allowed to ask for what you need. And there's a loving way to do that so that your wife doesn't feel as though you're minimizing her experience. And maybe she's not the person to go to for support or care around that if she is herself overwhelmed and stressed and frustrated, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, we have this idea that our partner, needs to be our, our partner, our primary partner needs to be our resource for everything. And that's not true. So maybe turn to friends or family members and let them know that you need a break. Let a friend or family member maybe that you think has been following the rules and self-isolating watch the children. Or maybe you need to just accept that your wife is overwhelmed and very busy and that's not the person to turn to. And you need to create that time and space while with the kids, putting a movie on or um I, 
I don't really know what the boundaries are. I'm not a parent. I, I don't work with children. I don't work with families like that. So I don't have the best answers for you that are, you know, these objective concrete things. But I would say you can sometimes symbolically create time and space within the situations you're in already without needing to like literally hand the kids over. And that's what your goal is going to be. Um, all right. Here we have another one. Hey, Dr. Chris, my boyfriend and I have been together for almost two years. We don't live together, so we've been seeing each other a lot less during quarantine. It's been fine. The other day, he suggested that we talk to other people to see if an open relationship is something we want to try. I feel like that's his way of breaking up with me because he never said anything like that before. Um, I don't really know what to do uh, or what my question even is. Uh, I'm wondering if he's cheating and maybe even covering it up. I Wow, I don't know how you got to all those conclusions. Um I want to believe that if he wants to break up with you, he would say, I want to break up with you. Someone asking for an open relationship is, if it's a healthy person, it's them wanting to stay with you. They're realizing that they need more creativeness, diversity, more love, whatever it is, and they want to find a way to keep you in their life and also get their needs met. So it's a sign of wanting more commitment and closeness. But you need to ask them that. I don't want to answer for them. Maybe this is someone who can't tolerate a lot of honesty and closeness. And so maybe they are finding a backdoor way into breaking up with you. But I don't know how that would be a way to break up with you. He didn't say, I don't want to talk to you or not see you anymore. So if he wants to still see you but talk to other people, then he still wants to see you. Wanting an open relationship is absolutely possibly a sign of health. Um, I advise people doing it only when in a healthy primary relationship not to do it if the relationship's having a lot of issues. So you guys need to talk that one out. Slide in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore it with confidence. All right, coming up next, we're gonna talk about something that's definitely on the rise and you will definitely be hearing more about. It's called unschooling. That's right. Uh, listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. <laughs> Question of the night. It's up on our Love on IG page, weighing on that. So here's what's going on. We are having a lot of battles about whether or not kids are returning to school this year. Some states are pushing for it. I don't support it. I don't think it's safe. I'm worried about the students. I'm worried about the teachers. And I don't think the reasoning for pushing them back to school is worthwhile reasoning. We're putting too many people at risk. And I'm watching some of these places that are putting up these plastic you know, boundary things around the students' desks. Listen, some of this is rooted in classism and racism. Like, congrats on schools that that have enough money um, where they can do such measures, but not every school has enough funding or support to be able to put these things in place. And I'm talking about cleaning supplies. I'm talking about these plastic boundaries, providing protection for, for students that don't have their own masks. And then there's places that are even saying we're not going to socially distance or even make the kids wear masks, which is absolutely horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. And that is a sign that that state, that local government, or that school system is absolutely not looking out for the teachers or students. And that needs to be something that's addressed. That is horrifying to me. Um, so I absolutely am opposed to that. The kids will be fine missing out on learning, especially these days when we can pretty much Google a lot of what we tend to be learning in school. And that's not a knock on teachers. That's a knock on the school system. Y'all really peddle a lot of crap that you want people to learn. And what we tend to learn is white cis hetero people, history and skill sets. And that's where things like unschooling come in. Now, unschooling is not the same as it's not homeschooling, which is what a lot of people are, are mis mistaking it for. So there's a distinction. Homeschooling is I'm going to follow state uh, approved curriculum and I'm going to teach my kids at home. Usually it's rooted in them wanting to be raised with a, a certain faith. Ho um, unschooling is the is the, quite the opposite. It's I'm going to use child-led led learning. I'm actually going to follow 
uh, my kids lead and actually educate them in things that are real world skills. And there's a lot of inequalities in our culture. And a lot of people are like, I don't want my child to learn white people history. And that's one of the stunning things that's come out of the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, this stuff was available prior to that, but the Black Lives Matter movement has brought a lot of it to light. That the history you're learning in school is my reference point is like white people history. Um, it ignores LGBT people throughout history. A lot of the famous people that we've learned about were gay or trans. Uh, it involves misinformation where we talk about things like Valentine's Day, Christopher, I'm sorry, Thanksgiving, Christopher Columbus. That was genocide against indigenous populations. We stole their land. They didn't hand it over. We didn't lovingly colonize. It's a lot of racism. Uh, we even make up characters. Like when I was in Philly, we were told that Betsy Ross sewed the first American flag. She wasn't even a real person, but we've given her a house, a fake house. So some people are like, I want to raise my kid in truth. I want to raise my kid from a cultural lens or perspective that that reflects who they are, what happened, whether they're Asian or black or of color or indigenous. We want a history rooted in that. And there's a lot of stunning history books, indigenous people's history of the United States, black people's history, that really talks truth, that they were LGBTQIA characters throughout history that did some of the most advanced, meaningful things that never get recognized as such. It gets ignored. A lot of women in the suffrage movement who started feminism and women's rights were lesbians. We ignore all that. You know, that's really unfortunate. And so a lot of people don't want to follow the standard racist curriculum that's, you know, district approved. And it's a mess when you look at some of the stories or do the research. There's documentaries and whatnot out there explaining how the school boards approve what textbooks they use and what would be allowed to be in the textbooks. It's it's a mess. It's classist. It's racist. And so a lot of people are wanting to unschool. And that means what we call decolonizing education. They're realizing now's the time to really start to go back to basics and focus on self-directed education, following and teaching kids around their passions, encouraging, you know, self-sufficiency and not letting them get trapped in what happens in the school system, which is just getting certain school, uh, scores and meeting certain educational requirements, things that aren't relevant, things that aren't meaningful, uh, school hours aren't even aligned with children's natural rhythms. They're forced to go to school too early, sit through class far too long. You know, and then we diagnose them as, with things like ADHD. Kids aren't supposed to be able to sit quietly through school. And when they're acting out, as we call it, it's a sign that they're bored or they need to be moving or getting up or you've taken them as far as they can go. But a lot of this is centered around the school board or the school's uh, criteria or the teacher's, you know, uh, the bar that the teacher set. And each student has a different need and it should have a different expectation. And unschooling is a way to kind of meet that need. So again, it's not homeschooling, which is again, to still follow these like specific criteria and approved learning plans. Unschooling is like really going back to truth and really disrupting some of the things. And I see the value in it. I mean, it can maybe be lonely for the kid. You could unschool kids in a group, but again, it's really trying to move us back towards more honesty and truth, which is again, what Black Lives Matters was about, right? Uncovering systemic and institutional oppression and violence, and that shows up in the school's education, where we're still not recognizing that we have all sorts of kids in the classroom. And are we really addressing each one of their needs and their legacies and their histories? Because now that I'm an adult and I know better and I think back to some things I was taught or I learned, that stuff is just wrong, right? Or it was really problematic in what it was rooted in. Um, but do the research. It's really fascinating when you look at what homeschooling is attempting to do. I'm sorry, what unschooling is attempting to do. It's beautiful stuff. I, I'm very inspired by it. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about this really sad statistic that 60% 
of gay individuals have body dysmorphia. Man, that's a mental health crisis. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. And now let's talk about body image. Oh man, this has been something I talk a lot about because I feel like these days a lot of mental health is really tied to our relationship to our body. And as we, as we talk about the impact or the intersections of these different uh, mental health themes, they all tie in, right? So our mental health is impacted by our relationship to our body, our sexuality. Our sexual health is impacted by our relationship to our body and our mental health. Our self-esteem is all of these things tied up and, and the impact they have on us in general. Again, we can't move through the world as competent, successful people when we feel bad about things that turn us on, when we feel bad about our sexual orientation, when we feel bad about our gender, when we feel bad about our body. We just can't. And so all these things are what add up to us being our best. And when I see studies saying that nearly 60% of gay men are unhappy with their body, that is horrifying. And this, these numbers apply to straight men as well. It's not a gay issue. It's not just a female identified issue. That's heartbreaking. And the question in the study is just how happy are you with your body? And I want everyone's answer to be something more along the lines of, I don't even know. I don't even think about it. I'm too focused on, am I leading a life that's meaningful? I'm too focused on, am I being a good partner or parent? I'm too focused on everything else. Am I finding joy in my life? Our bodies should be neutral. It shouldn't be something that determines our worth, how good we feel, our mood. It's a vehicle, but we've framed it as an achievement that your worth is tied to the kind of body you have or you've achieved. We need to get to body neutrality where it doesn't matter. It's my vehicle. It's what I move around in throughout the day. Yes, I got to take care of it, but it shouldn't matter what it looks like. And a lot of fitness talk is actually about aesthetics, not actually about health or fitness. Because health and fitness would be my heart rate, my capacity to run long distances, um, my bone density because of weightlifting, my ability to be flexible, all these different factors that we can't see. You can't see it. We don't send our doctor a shirtless pick for our physical. He has to actually listen to our heart and our lungs, take our blood pressure. That is health. And we've tied it to the visual. And that's a problem. So 49% reported feeling unhappy. That is far too high. 10% said very unhappy. So we're now almost at 60% falling in the not so great category. Only 23% said that they were happy. That's, that's not good enough. Now, now, why is that? Well, there's a lot of reasons. We put an emphasis not just on having a gym body, but also on youthfulness. And so there's ageism tied in here where we're not allowed to value our aging body right? Which is always going to move away from the vision we have of how we're supposed to look. We don't have good role models or good visual representations of an aging body or a non-gym body as being beautiful or being healthy, right? Um, we also fat shame. I still see it in magazines. People talk about other people's weight gain, weight loss, cellulite, stretch marks. That's, that's so toxic for us and for them, right? Um, you know, again, even on the dating apps, we hear people stigmatizing uh, it's, it's everywhere. I can't really even drive down the street without seeing it on billboards and ads on television in songs. It's really insidious. And again, remember it matters because all of our worth is tied into that. And I posted, and this was my God, I posted a photo that some other person had posted of themselves and they were just really celebrating themselves. And it was a girl and she had a lot of cellulite and it was really heartbreaking to see the comments people posted on it. This person is happy. This person is healthy. This person is quite, you know, 
uh, what's the word? Like just living their life to the fullest. Like you could tell that there's a lot of joy and just listening people's unwillingness or inability to keep their negativity to themselves, to not target an attack. And it's just like, wow, of all the things you took in, in looking at that photo, that's where your mind went. That says everything about you and not about them. That says everything about the work you have left to do. That says everything about what you struggle with. That also says everything about what you think is most meaningful or valuable in a person. My first thought was she looks so happy. I'm so glad. I see so many people that aren't. I'm glad she's happy. I wonder what she's doing that's making her so happy. That's where my first thought went. But everyone else's was generally about her cellulite. Like what have we done? What are we continuing to do that we've created a world where that even matters, where we think we can attack, where we think we have a right to publicly attack over that, where we even notice that let's get away from noticing that let's not care. And not everyone likes my opinions on this, but part of that is let's not keep posting our gym selfies because that keeps us trapped and everyone else trapped. Let's stop doing that. We have these social media pages where it's just photo after photo of the same person in their underwear. Take that down. Lead with something else. Market some other aspect of yourself. And if you don't feel great about something else, sit with what that means or why that is. But like, let's stop making the best part that we have to offer or the most valuable part of us is our body or our gym body. Let's get photographers and fashion designers and, and producers and casting individuals to start using all different size bodies. Like that's what the work is. That's liberation. That's honesty. That's mental health. Like I'm personally burnt out myself. And I've done enough work where I'm not as bothered, but I still have body dysmorphia. I'm in our culture. It's really hard to escape our culture and not have some worth tied to that or some struggle within that because we're all socialized around it. But we do have control. Remember, anything that we socially create, like norms, values, and ideals, we they're, they're, they have a flexibility to them. We have the ability to water them down, to remove them, to limit them, to get rid of them. Let's take that power back right? So if you have a large platform, really look at what are you promoting and leading with? And are you hard? Are you helping culture and helping people? Or are you hurting them? It's, it's just so toxic. And it really bums me out. And I even see people in the therapy field that are just posting the photos like that. And I'm like, are you even aware of yourself? What are you communicating to potential clients that are wanting to work on their stuff or learning how to love their body that doesn't fit that standard or norm. Like it's, it's, it's quite, it's disappointing. I, 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 that kind of stuff really lets me know who's doing the work and who's not. And again, it's time to be better. You know what I mean? If not now, I don't know what will be the wake up call. So let's take a, a look at kind of what we're doing. Um, we're going to talk about that on tomorrow's show. Actually, we're going to be talking about social media literacy and just having a better learning uh, moment and, and, and a better understanding of lens on social media and how to better navigate it. So that'll be on tomorrow's show. But um, question of the night, it's coming up next. So still a little more time to weigh in on that. And they'll be doing some DMs. Um, all right, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, now it's time for question of the night. Tonight's question is, what's one thing you've learned or realized during the corona pandemic? I've learned a lot, positive and negative. <laughs> I've learned how much work we have to do as a culture, whew, how hard we are on each other, you know, watching our president literally sign death sentences, uh, unwilling to really care about individuals. I learned how powerful capitalism is, that we care so much more about profits than people, right? Um, I've learned how we have a police state and I'm watching people protesting injustices get locked up and shot while murderers run the streets, murderous cops. 
Um, I've realized that we need to defund the police and put that money back into healing communities. Um, I've also seen some beauty. I've seen people really caring, people really fighting to make the world better, you know? But then again, the darkness of people fighting against that, people that won't wear masks because they're not willing to be inconvenienced to save other people's lives. So I learned about American exceptionalism. We think we're just beyond things and better than things, but our country's a hot mess. And I've personally am embarrassed right now at what we're, what we're doing, that we're not wearing masks, that we're not staying the heck home to protect lives, that we're not letting people protest, that we're still so racist, that people are still in the polls, maybe considering voting for a racist, homophobic, bigoted president. Like that hurts my heart. I really wanted us to wake up and be better as a result of COVID, get back to basics. Uh, but I've also seen some beauty where people are really taking taking the direction of their lives seriously and they're leaving their jobs and they're traveling or they're leaving their jobs or leaving the country and they're saying, I'm gonna actually live the life I wanna lead. I'm done with the crap. I'm gonna live more honestly. It's That's stunning. So question of the night is, what's one thing you learned or realized during the corona pandemics? First person said, please stay strong, healthy and safe. Yep, I love that. Focus on being healthy, focus on being safe. If not now, Jeez. Someone else said, I'm an anti-capitalist to my core. I'm with you on that. Capitalism's toxic. It's profit before people. Business values, not human values. Um, just the way I'm seeing people get treated by their companies, the corporations, um, the way some companies are treating Black Lives Matter. I mean, I, we can get into it. I don't want to do a whole anti-capitalist thing, but I'm with you on that. Someone else said, as far as one thing they've learned or realized during COVID, how much I relied on support from others. That's beautiful. I want more of that. We all need others. Collective care, mutual aid, uh, more feminist values where we think in terms of how we impact others. I mean, this, this, if nothing else, reminded me of moving away from nationalism. I don't buy American-made. I buy made from human beings that are treated with respect. I want everyone to have a livable wage and income. I'll buy from anywhere, any country. You know, our arbitrary boundaries of America, ver us versus you, that's the American exceptionalism. It's obnoxious. Just like I'm not gonna only vote from LA, or only, I'm sorry, only buy from LA or only buy from California. These are really man-made problematic uh, demarcations. I think globally, let's all think globally. Let's think of our impact on everyone. Let's not just think that we only have to worry about our country, right? That's something I'm still learning. Someone else said they learned being incredible, uh, being incredible. Sorry, I'm struggling to read this one for some reason. They said being incredible, sheltered as a child promotes zero growth as an adult. I feel like a five-year-old, I'm 28, being incredibly sheltered as a child. Oh, I guess you're realizing you want to feel more, you want to have more life experiences. I don't know the way you frame that. I'm not quite getting it. Someone else said, I accepted that I'm highly sensitive. See, that's beautiful. You're feeling more. That's a gift. I, I imagine it's a struggle at times as well, but I, I think there's some beauty in that. I, I, I'm trying to always feel more, be open to more, right? Someone else said what they've learned during the time of COVID, uh, that people need to turn off the TV, do some research, then enjoy life. I love that. I got rid of television um, and I've grown because of it. I, I, I watch some streaming stuff. I read more. I've been doing more FaceTiming with friends, trying to cook. Uh, yeah, it's like a black hole and it also just promotes values that I don't think are healthier and I don't agree with and I had to decide when I wanted to take in the news. So I, I love that. Yeah, do more research as well. People, people do that to me. They'll ask questions that require a lot of research and it's like I can't, answer that and educate you in a reply section of a post on my social media, like do some research. We, we're very lazy. We often don't want to research things. We want just someone to give us the answer, but it's like, 
start to value growth and transformation and not just want things so easy, right? Uh, someone else said what they learned or realized through COVID, having family around is super important. That's beautiful. Not everyone gets to have that. A lot of people are really missing and mourning the distance in the space or even the loss of family members to COVID. My family's all the way on the East Coast, excuse me, and I'm not, I'm not able to see them. Um, that's heartbreaking. You know, a lot of people would love to travel, but they're following the rules and they're looking out for others. So they're not. Someone else said they learned that I cannot control how other people handle the situation. Ah, we've all had to learn a little bit of that, right? We're watching friends and family members not follow the rules and really put others at risk. It's heartbreaking. And we'll kind of close it on this one. Someone said, uh, oh my gosh, they learned that our government does not have our backs at all. I know I learned that too. I've been kind of grossed out, really embarrassed and disappointed in the way our government, you know, has been handling everything. Anywho, you know, that's why you got to vote, vote them out. All right, coming up next, we're going to be doing some DMs, listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Dear Dr. Chris, I've been trying to make everyone else happy but myself. My boyfriend literally plans so many things by himself or with his friends that I literally don't see him except for when I make him take trips with me and take photos. Everything I do is to try to make him happy and I don't, and, and I know I'm over the relationship, but I don't know how to tell him. But to be honest, I'm so afraid of breaking up with him and him just saying, okay, I feel the same way. I don't know what to do. All right, so that question took an odd turn. I thought it was gonna be more about how do I focus on making myself more happy while in with my boyfriend. But your question is, um, I, I know I'm over the relationship, but I don't know how to tell him. You tell him by telling him. I, there, you know, again, I, I hate when I have to just give you such a trite answer, but there's no magical way to tell someone something difficult. You tell them lovingly. Um, hey, it's been great spending time with you and in this relationship, it's just really not working for me anymore. All the best. That's how I tell them. That's it. You end it. Um, you said, I'm so afraid of breaking up with him. Uh, and he might say, okay, I feel the same. Yeah, you're right. He might be there with you. That might be why he's not focused on you is he's been afraid to break up with you and didn't want to hurt you. And sometimes people do that. But um, yeah, if it's run its course, be honest, be open, don't leave people on. And if you're done, you're done and let them know. All right, here's the next one. Hey, Loveline and Dr. Chris, I've continuously struggled with making connections. And being in quarantine has only triggered that feeling even more. I recently got in touch with a guy who ghosted me before, and we recently hooked up a few weeks ago. All was good, and the experience felt fine at that moment after. It seemed like we were both on the same page. But as weeks have gone by, I've been reaching out with very little communication back. Now I reached out again yesterday only for him to not respond. Am I a fool for expecting reciprocation? Now I know I'm a victim of double ghosting. Oh my God, God bless it. Uh, I feel like somewhat of a fool for letting this happen, but to my knowledge, I thought things would be different. Yeah, look, it's very complex. People's needs, interest, uh, chemistry, it waxes, it wanes, but we shouldn't feel bad or have guilt that we were interested or we tried. Look, there should be no shame in having a crush on someone. Look, you like this person on every level and they've had less interest than you've had, but you keep giving it a shot. 
you have the time and you have the energy. Awesome. I want people to always give things a shot again and again, as long as they have the time and as long as they have the energy and as long as it's not toxic. And this doesn't sound toxic. This person just seems unsure or fragile or flimsy or not wanting what you want, or maybe they're focused on someone else. I don't know. But the answer is, is this what you want? And the answer, it sounds like, is no. Does this feel good to you? The answer, it sounds like, is no. So bounce, you know, like dating, sex, and love. It should be about compatibility. Meeting someone who wants what you want, um, having similar interests and similar goals. And if not, you move on. So maybe you realize, I don't, I don't know that they ghosted you. It might just be that you're pushing for more closeness and continuity and connection than they're interested in. And that's okay. I don't want anyone to be the villain in the story. Um, they're not interested in what you want. And maybe you're expecting two more. They just want to hook up. And that's the only time they show up. Hear that, you know? But if you want more and need more, move on. There's a lot of people that are looking for a relationship right now. They're lonely. They're isolated. Uh, find romance that way. I think it's a great time to do it. I want everyone online connecting with people, you know? Going on little FaceTime dates. Meeting up with them in real time with a mask six feet apart outside, not around a crowd. <laughs> I love saying that laundry list. It makes me laugh. But um, yeah, there's tons of people out there. I'm working with so many people and I have so many friends that are single. Uh, they're all online. So go find someone who want, wants what you want. Look, chemistry is not enough. Chemistry is that, that, that desire, that arousal, that hunger, that sexuality. Awesome. But compatibility is, do we want the same thing? Do we want the same level of closeness and connection and commitment? And you don't. And there's nothing wrong with that. So keep going after people, keep showing interest, and it's a numbers game. And you'll find someone who wants what you want, and it'll be that right time in the right place, and all's well. Might take time, but uh, we got a hey, we got a lot of time right now. You know what I mean? So. There you go. Slime the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence. All right, y'all, that's our show. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Also, make sure you're checking out my live stream show. I'm listening live on all the radio.com handles, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, that is on Thursday nights at, uh, what is that, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And a love line is podcasted. We are channelq.com and also at radio.com. So check that out. And as always, our question of the night's up on our love line IG story. So bust in on that one. Tomorrow's show, though, we're going to be talking about the important topic of social media literacy. How can we make sure social media is having a positive impact on us and not a negative one? Because it's an important part of mental health. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out with me. Have a beautiful, beautiful night.